Hi there, and welcome back to Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach and Volunteer Development Manager for Basketball Australia. I'm really pleased today to welcome along Sarah Rowe for today's episode. Sarah is a multi-sport athlete from Ireland, probably best known in Australia for her star role with the Collingwood AFLW women's football team. But she's also an elite athlete in soccer and in Gaelic football. As always on Building Better Basketball though, it's what Sarah does off the field that's gonna be our focus for today's conversation. Not only is Sarah a qualified teacher, she's also qualified in neuro-linguistic programming and has extensive experience in working not only with athletes, but people in a mentoring capacity with focuses on mindset and goal achievement. We will also touch on all the different skills Sarah has learned from the coaches and sports she's been involved in as the continued debate about early specialization in sport rages on. Thanks so much for your time today, Sarah, and it's great to have another person on from the Northern Hemisphere. Welcome. Thanks, Neil. Delighted to be on today. Um, obviously, across the world, the, the message that all sports associations are pushing out is that we want kids to be doing as much sport as they can and not honing in on, on one sport solely um, at such a young age. Obviously, as I touched on, you played at a high level with three different sports and one of them you came to at, um, at an adult age. What are some of the most important things you took from one sport to the other? And how have coaches at AFL taught you um, skills that you maybe had to connect the dots between your prior learnings um, for and, and then what you needed to develop? Um, I think that every sport brings something that you can take into another sport. Like say, for instance, the athleticism in Gaelic football and how Gaelic footballers are generally quick off the mark and are quite agile. Like that translates into AFLW. And then you have soccer that's, you know, um, quick, sharp game as well, but also an endurance-based game with it being a 90-minute game. And just the, I suppose, the ability to use the inside, outside and front of your foot as well. And just the basic movements of sidestepping people and all that. So they all relate, like, would have all played basketball when I was younger as well, and that would have really helped my hand-eye coordination. So there's so many things that you can take from each team and each sport into the next sport. Um, but the biggest thing I suppose you learn in different sports teams is about the culture in each sport as well. Like it's it's different essentially in every sport and every changing room is different. But ultimately, that's what probably breeds success is the culture that you build within every team. That you're with so I think I've learned a lot by working with so many different athletes and different sports people and trying to get the best out of the people around you because you know you're only as good as the person beside you so and um, that's probably been the biggest learning but um yeah coming over to Australia was probably the biggest challenge because I'd never played the sport before but with soccer and Gaelic it's something I grew up playing my whole life so I, I really knew no difference um, and I was always trying to get better but with FLW I was essentially starting from Sorry, I had the clue of the rules or I had an awful lot to learn very quickly. Have you found the coaches in Australia have been um, different from coaches in Ireland and, and how they've communicated to you and, and taught um, skills and things? Yeah, that's actually a great question. I would find that in Australia, it's probably very po very positive nation in general, and um, whereas in Ireland, we kind of go, you nearly get the hard end of the stick first. And we would tend to, like, it's very, it's, it's about mental toughness, a lot of Gaelic football is. So 
like you know if even if you're nearly pulling up with a niggle it's nearly like oh like get through it play on kind of thing so like it's just a different mentality um in Ireland but it's yeah it's very much about mental toughness and um, whereas over here obviously and that's the, the difference I suppose as well between the amateur and the professional environment and um, but I think that everything is really broken down over here so like when I came over, it was, again, in Gaelic football, we didn't focus on the basic skills because it was expected that they were there. So we just kind of trained to a level, did a lot of drills, like, you know, A, V, B games. And then when I came over to Australia, everything was broken down into, like, just so much, like, about handballing, kick, kicking, and catching ground balls, all that stuff. So I feel like it's, it's broken down a lot more here and, and it's analysed a lot more. So Sarah, you've um, you've talked really well there about all the different um, sports you've been involved in. But like I said in the introduction, you've also um, got a qualification in neuro-linguistic programming, which is a bit of a tongue twister this early in the morning to say as well. Um, in layman's terms though, although it's a lot more than this, it involves working with and mentoring people on mindsets and goal achievements. And you've talked about some of the key roles of coaches working with players there and your experience on the other side. Can you share just a couple of the most important things for you when, when you're in that role um, working with clients about um, mindset and goal achievement? Yeah, I think um, for me, mindset has always been a really important thing. Um, from a young age, I was always quite curious as to why people were the way they were, were and why people people's behaviors weren't always the way people are and like say you'd be a training and someone would drop a ball and you'd be like they'd react really badly and you'd be like why did they react like they just dropped the ball and you tried to figure out was it because they were genuinely pissed off with themselves for dropping the ball or was there something else going on in their life so for me I was always like oh what's going on are you okay and um, so I find myself being very interested in that space and then being a sports person myself, I always wanted to continuously develop as a person and player. And I knew that my mindset had a lot to do with that. So I'd always have, from a young age, worked with sports psychologists and all that stuff. So then I was like, okay, now I, it's like I didn't have enough information, even from going to a psychologist. It's like, I need more information. I want to know more. So I was very curious about that. And then came out and studied neuro-linguistic programming and you feel like you unlock the keys to life when you study stuff like that but on the flip side of that as well it means that you think a lot about everything that happens in your life so and um, basically what neuro-linguistic programming is in simple terms is the art of communication but how you communicate with yourself and then how you can communicate with others but it's all about the subconscious mind and the way you talk to yourself and and um, the voices you hear in your head like for example getting up in the morning that kind of you know the double-edged sword will I get up and go for a run this morning or will I stay in bed and it's that kind of voice and how to cha challenge that and how to get over and use techniques to get over that and kind of push yourself past that oh, I'm not going to get up it's raining outside kind of thing so I uh, to push back past mental barriers as well but um so that's basically what it is and it you kind of analyze your whole life as a whole as well it's not like you know, me just looking at sports for one, for it's like sports, your job, your health, your relationships, your family relationships. It's like looking at life as a whole and not just kind of being a sports person, knowing that you need to fill up all those areas and make sure you're kind of 
you know, ticking an eight out of 10 in all those areas and not just being like, if I'm solely focused on sport, the other areas of my life will potentially fall down. Therefore, I'll probably be unhappy anyway. So it, it just shows that you kind of need to fill every box, I suppose, to have, uh, to like, try to live a happy life, I suppose. That's awesome, Sarah. That's really that that last couple of minutes. I think that's something that, that coaches can can really sit and, and listen and think to about how they're relating to their players and um and treating them as well. Because sometimes you can easily get caught up into to looking at um outcomes and results rather than all, all the different processes and factors that lead into that. So that's awesome. Um with the with the goal achievement though obviously there's there's times in life and in sport that people don't achieve their goals either ever or within a chosen time frame or for reasons that are, are totally outside of their control um in your experience how are the some of the things that you've um either experienced yourself or um helped people with to reframe that and use it to support their next steps but like for me, it's like all about the process, but also like talking about achieving goals. Like I think the biggest thing with that is like, you know, if you aim really high, you'd probably fall short of the heights that you're aiming for. But if you aim for mediocre, like you'd probably fall short of mediocre as well. So it's about, for me, it's like the process, but yeah, aiming high to start with and being like, and trying to reach that potential all the time and putting processes and steps in place to get there so like habits and systems so that you can't fail so on a daily basis like you know I suppose try have like if it's nutrition if it's your strength and conditioning whatever it is have a plan and know that what you're doing every day that you're working slowly but surely towards something but it all adds up over time but it consistency over time really is the key to anything I think and um, you know people say oh that person achieved that you're like yeah not with their eyes closed like there was probably lots of things that went on behind the scenes that people don't see so for me it's all about systems and habits to get there and making sure you're consistent with that so everyone that's listened to you that that isn't a Collingwood fan is probably thinking AFL Irish rules neuro-linguistic processing you're also a teacher with a, a qualification in PE and biology and while you're out here you're you're killing it on a footy field, but you've also got a community role with Collingwood and um, in various spaces around Melbourne. So you've you've got this awesome view of the world from all these different perspectives. What's your impression of how Australia is doing in terms of promoting women's sport and um, getting more young people involved and engaged in physical activity? Yeah, I think um, Australia is amazing that way and have been very progressive, especially in the AFL space um, over the last year, obviously with our in um, with our wages increasing, our hours increasing and us trying to get to a professional level in the next two years. I think they've done a really good job at promoting players, and um, especially Collingwood anyway. And that's, I suppose, you can only speak from your own experience, but Collingwood have done a really good job um, in integrating the men's and women's club and even this year we have, you know, the last two weeks we've had the men's SNCs work with us and the men. So there's that crossover and coaches kind of come over and back between the men's and the women. So that makes a really big difference within the club. And 
the women to feel like they're involved in the club and also us to feel that one club feeling. So from Collingwood's perspective, it's been amazing. I think the wider community of the AFL, it's um, they're doing a really good job and we're getting there. Obviously, there's always room for improvement, but um, I think over the last year, there's been a big step up. What does, um, what does the post-playing career look like for Sarah Rowe? Obviously, hopefully it's a, a long way away, but what are some of your, um, uh, I guess, off-field ambitions, Sarah? I think I would probably like to work in the space of like culture and leadership type thing, be it in business or in sport. But um, like I said, I'm very fascinated by people, people's behaviours and also how to get people to work together um, in one and that, you know, nothing really happens. You can't really do much on your own. You really need people around you to get there. So um, I think that's the space that I'm really interested in. I've done a bit of work with um, companies and stuff in Ireland and, you know, would like to translate that across here. But I think, yeah, for now you focus on your career and you pick up things along the way and, um probably will further study in something as well, something to do with the psychology space. But again, all in all in due time. But um yeah, I think that's what I'll that's where I'll go. Hopefully it's uh it's uh it's a few years away at least. Now Sarah, we ask everyone this question that comes on the podcast to finish off. What's one question you would like to ask a coach of any sport anywhere in the world, alive or dead, who would the coach be and what would the question be? I would ask Steve Simmons at coaching Collingwood, why am I the favourite? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't even I I would ask um the Dublin GA coach um he's been involved he's he's not anymore and um, he's involved with I think the Dublin team for maybe eleven years, but he had built a culture from the outside looking in like no other I believe and I'd love to ask him a few questions as to how he got there and what are the most important steps to get there that's um that's awesome Sarah and I think um for anyone that that's listening um you can um definitely uh take some stuff out of that not only from a, a culture perspective that Sarah's talked about but in how you communicate with your players and also for all across Australia, we have, we have players that are um, juggling probably at least two sports, if, if not three, like Sarah did and, and start to think about the, the skills that you can um, encourage that player to bring from their other sport into your basketball training sessions. And as you would have seen on, on our Twitter in the last couple of days, we've been trying to use examples from, um, hockey and from the NFL about coaches talking about um, learnings that they can get from other sports. And that's one of the things we're really keen here at Building Better Basketballs to, to use the, the resources at our uh, disposal here in Australia through people like Sarah and the AFL and, and other sports um, that we're able to get access to, to improve ourselves and, and as the um, podcast says, build better basketball. So thank you so much for your time, Sarah. All the very best for Collingwood for the new season. And um, yeah, I encourage anyone to that's um, really taken something from Sarah's uh, um, 
episode today to to reach out to her on on social media um and get in touch she's a, a lovely person we had a great coffee the other day so um thank you so much sarah and and good luck for the season thanks neil appreciate it Hi there and welcome back to Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach and Volunteer Development Manager for Basketball Australia. I'm really pleased today to welcome along Zach Schwartz for today's episode. Zach started as a manager for the Arizona State men's basketball team, working for the team for four years and he was head manager for two of those. In the summers when he was at Arizona State, he interned for NFL Digital Media and turned that into a full-time job after graduation. Zach has ended a series of jobs creating social media and online content for some of the world's biggest content producers, including The Ringer and Yahoo Sports, and most recently with Wave Sports. Zach, it's great to have you with us today, and I can't wait to uh, get stuck into a few of these questions. It's good to be here. I appreciate the intro. It's, uh, you, you did good research on that, man. I was like, ah, oh, I sound so official. This is really nice. I appreciate it. Um. Most of the people that are listening are obviously based at clubs and organizations here in Australia, Zach. So they'll yeah. be working with a slightly smaller scale than some of your projects. But I imagine some of the, the key concepts will stay the same, like you talked about, about where you want the conversation to go and, and the timeline and things. What are some of the um, things that the clubs could do to lift their social media engagement, do you think? Sure. I mean, Spending time on the actual channels is the first thing I think anyone will tell you is like spend time on Twitter, spend time on TikTok. First and foremost, use TikTok. Don't like, I love Twitter. I love Instagram, but put your time and effort into TikTok because you can really grow um, insanely quickly on there. That algorithm is just, it's just gasoline. Like you just, it, you throw it on fire and it just, it, it'll just take off. So I'd say spend time on TikTok getting to know the platform don't feel necessarily a rut if you're new to the platform don't feel a rush to post to it just to post to it understand what works what doesn't and kind of work from there because it's so obvious when there's inorganic content and the community on tiktok is so quick to be like nah get that out of here versus if it's funny you know one of my favorite things that people do is those videos where especially the team channels where they set up the camera cameras just like locked off on a tripod and they literally just set a card in front of the camera which says their question of the day and they just hit record and as all the players exit whatever the practice court they'll stop at the camera and give their answer to the question cut all those down and you get these really fun montage videos of guys giving funny things well what's your favorite food for lunch you know what are you going to do on the holiday you know what's the worst band out there what who, who is the worst taste in music and i think those are really easy to kind of do and so uh, those those would be i guess the, the first pieces of advice and the second piece is my favorite thing on those platforms is storytelling. Like I love things that people don't know about. So if you can find angles with players, past players, um, things about the club that, that people may not know, um, I think it's a really nice way to, you can come up with a story that will go viral because people just inherently are interested in learning. And that's what TikTok scratches so much of people's brains is like, oh, you, you kind of feel like you're learning something. So if you make, a mini doc about your team or a player or a past player, uh, or even a crazy story that you had, you know, fans stormed the court one game, you know, the team bus, we missed a game. 
make something about that. So those, those would probably be my biggest piece of advice. So you've got, a, um, you're obviously a bit uh, closer in, in age and um, demographic to the key market that you're trying to target, Zach, and that, that kind of sweet spot of um, professional sport in America is in that kind of late teens to mid twenties kind of age group. So yeah. when it's uh, someone that's an older uh, generation, a parent trying to attract um, like younger people, like do you have any um, kind of ideas for people that are listening about how to kind of bridge that generational gap a little bit? Sure. I mean, like I said, with the storytelling thing, that was that, I mean, hey, like I'm 30 and I, I get called old all the time by kids on this on the platform. It happens. Um, I still love doing it. I still love that. Like I can turn around a like one minute video in about 15 minutes at my house, you know, just use the green screen effects. And I can tell really cool basketball stories. They're kind of niche and that, that kids may not know, you know, or whatever my, the, whatever sport vertical I'm making a story for that day. So like right now, the uh, American football, we have our, our big draft coming up. So I've been doing videos about things people have forgotten stories they've forgotten. And I really like that, you know, sharing wisdom and kind of just trying to teach something and tell some story that people either don't know about, maybe know a little about, but have forgotten. So those kind of things I think are really good. And I think if you're a club, you don't even need to have necessarily stories about your specific club. It could be just something you found inherently interesting. Why is like the, if there's a rule that you think is weird that came into play, if there's a, you know, how the three point line, if it moved and like things like that, I think are really easy that anyone can do as far as storytelling goes. So I said in the introduction, Zach, that you, um, you do have a bit of a history in basketball, like in yeah. your, integration into sport so can you tell us a bit about your experience as the manager Arizona State what were some of the key roles you had there and your interaction with the coaches as well sure so I always tell people I have like you know I got my degree from university but I really got it I also got a degree in making Gatorade so like first thing that's the first day first year you're the guy that has to make Gatorade for the team I was very good at it so like even as I got older, I'd like go into like sample to make sure the younger managers were still doing a good job, try to hold up that quality, quality control that I had. And then as you kind of learn and progress and they know that they can trust you more, they, they kind of see who you are. I mean, listen, if anyone is considering getting into coaching, I think that's the greatest way to get in. If you're not a, a former player is go be a manager because one, you'll know if you if basketball really means something to you because I was working 45 hours a week unpaid. And it was like, and like, I'm fortunate enough that I had a bit of money saved and, and I was lucky that my parents were helping with certain things as far as school and, and the team would pay for, you know, lunch and stuff like that. So it was okay. If you're lucky, like I was to get to do that, go do that. But I mean, starting junior year, I was traveling with the team. So suddenly I have to learn how like, to how to lug all this luggage through the airport. I was so much more responsible than I probably would have been as a 19 year old kid learning and making sure that the itineraries were all put together, helping the, the, the director of operations get those together. And then once we'd be on the road and help with scouting reports, I'd go to the library after practice and do like film breakdowns to help one of the assistants for his game 
and you know they they really appreciated that stuff and then on the road it was really fun you you get to like i would get to be a scout team player so i'm i'm like you know like what the coolest was like i got to pretend to be clay thompson when we were playing against him uh when he was at washington state and like oh my god i'm so bad compared i mean obviously anyone's bad compared to clay thompson but it just was really fun and um it made it made school feel a lot smaller but i think more than anything you a i learned i'll tell you this getting into like what i've been doing now i remember when i got out there were like ivy league kids working at the nfl and I just was like, there are so many people that are so much smarter than me that I was like, how the hell am I ever going to outlast them? But that basketball job had taught me like, Zach, you can eat a lot of punches as far as like, like just really shitty job just keeps hitting me in the face. And I just kept walking forward. So it'll test your work ethic. But I learned so much as far as scouting, as far as like being organized, planning for trips or shoots or anything like that. And I mean, when I went to school, I thought I wanted to be an agent. So I was like, I, the idea was I go work for the basketball team. Hopefully one of the players goes to the league and then helps me get in with an agency or, I mean, you know, the, I thought they would just hire me to be the agent. I'm like, dude, what fucking college guy is going to trust some hungover college student to be his agent. And after a year of doing the basketball job, I realized I did not want to be an agent, but I still loved the job so much that I stuck with it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I think that managers are kind of in in this in, a, in the environment that a lot of people will be listening to here. Managers are kind of really um, heavily involved in the administration of their teams as well. So that yeah. um, I'm sure they've. Um, we don't have Gatorade in Australia; it's Powerade. But I'm sure okay. there's, um, some managers that are listening that have. Um, Definitely got some ideas about the optimum uh, water mix. to uh, power rate <laughs> ratio and what um, what utensil they're using to uh, yeah. stir the uh, stir the mix as well. So absolutely, um, uh, there's some things <clears throat> that just transfer all the way across the world. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, I, I mean, I, I was lucky when we were there. We had a coach, you know, who's now doing very well. He's the head coach at Arkansas. He was an assistant. I think for me. I sort of looked across the spectrum of our coaching staff that we had. And I was a little bit frustrated. Like it, it didn't, necess- I didn't know where the next place I could go if I wanted to continue coaching. Um, so maybe that was where I realized like the coaching route wasn't for me, but you know, everyone that worked on the staff that like really gave it their all to the coaches have been since rewarded by all of those coaches that they worked with. You know, the guy who hired me is now, the like lead assistant for the university of Arkansas under one of our former assistants. So, uh, you know, you put in your work with those, those coaches, they will make sure to take care of you kind of down the road. Um, yeah. One question that I've uh, asked everyone that's um, come on the podcast and you would probably have a slightly different answer. Cause you'll, you'll be thinking of it in your, um, in the way that would uh, generate some uh, engagement. So if you could ask one coach in the world, living or dead, so you, you've given you the whole spectrum of time and um, sport and space, if you could ask them, who would it be? And what would the question be? Oh, I started laughing because like, I'd love to ask like Red Auerbach something like, some like gotcha type question, like, so how do you really feel about people that dunk the basketball? Like trying to bait Red Auerbach into saying something 
because I think Red's background, um, I don't know. He just seems like a very grumpy guy. So like getting to hear his actual takes on basketball will be interesting. I think I've, this is a great question. Uh, non-troll wise, like not throwing the red hour back thing out. I wouldn't want to do like John Wooden because he seems kind of boring. I think Phil Jackson, I'm sure you've gotten a few Phil Jackson people. I think asking Phil Jackson, like just sitting there and just being like, please tell me your greatest Shaq, Kobe, and MJ stories and just, and, and Rodman and just sitting back and getting to listen to those, I think would be uh, probably the greatest like campfire type thing you're ever going to get. So I think that would be it. Otherwise, and I'm sorry to give you these like three answers, asking Greg Popovich about wine, just being like, Hey pop, like I'm going to dinner give me your favorite 30 60 90 dollar bottle of wine and like letting him just go because that man like loves red wine and I, th- I think that would be pretty neat to get his like recommendations awesome thanks zach um yeah anyone's uh listening to this where can they um where can they see some of your work that you're doing sure i mean you can follow me on uh twitter instagram and tiktok uh, at z-a-c-h 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 uh, just Zach, Zach, Zach. That's the handle I got across the board. And then uh, go check out the Buckets and Jukes uh, YouTube channels. That's where I'm doing like American, that's where I'm doing basketball and American football stuff. And um, go support those. Uh, hit the subscribe button. We would really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Zach, for your time. Awesome. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah. Good luck for the NFL draft and uh, appreciate it. Enjoy a, uh, Lakers free NBA playoffs. Oh my, bro, it's there's so I'm so I'll be honest, I'm so glad I don't have to watch them anymore. Like, just I need I needed this season to end. The idea of them going into the playoffs and like me having to watch like actual stakes where I'm like wanting to just tear my hair out. So I'm glad it's I'm glad it's over now. Thank thankfully I'm not, I've been put out of my misery. So on to next year where hopefully we can find some Patsy to take Russell Westbrook's contract. <laughs> thanks Zach I really appreciate it appreciate it